the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman broadcasting from his office in San Jose, California, near the Westgate Shopping Center. If you're familiar with that part of San Jose, that's where my office is located. <clears throat> I have, a, uh, I think, a pretty good show today. I've been going through a lot of uh, questions and comments from around the state of California, and I think there's actually going to be some useful information for people today. want to let you know that my seminars are, uh, I'm going to be holding both of my seminars this weekend, tomorrow, on the 15th of December in my office, starting at 9 o'clock, my Living Trust Seminar, which will be the first one, and then at 11 o'clock, my Retirement Plan Trust Seminar, uh, where I cover special estate planning to use for retirement plans, such as IRAs and 401k plans. Uh, both of these, there is room available in them. Uh, you can contact me directly if you'd like at radio at lawbob.com if you'd like to come. Just let me know your uh, your name and, of course, your email if you contact me that way, how many people you'd like to have attend. The more direct way is to register through my website at lawbob.com where you can look at a calendar and pick the date and what you want to register for on that date. It will take you to Eventbrite where you can actually complete the registration through eventbrite.com and make sure that you have a space reserved for you. Space is limited, and I always urge people that if they want to come to one of the seminars, the best thing to do is register sooner rather than later because I cannot guarantee that there will be any space available if you wait too long. Now, we're a couple of weeks away from... Uh, from Christmas, and I know that my kids are getting very excited about that. If you have young kids, I'm sure they're probably getting excited too. School's about to get out. For my kids, it's about another um, four school days, and then they're out. Grandparents flying in from Chicago, go Bears, uh, flying in from Chicago next Tuesday, so they're going to be hanging out with the kids and the grandkids. It's going to be uh, pretty good season, but I'm going to be working in and between the holidays, so I'll actually have some times available for people to meet with me through the end of the year, and then uh, after the new year immediately coming back, I will have um, regu fairly regular office hours after that. So if you're interested in a consultation with me, feel free to go to my website at lawbob.com, click on the Book an Estate Planning Consultation link, and it'll take you into my calendar where you can book a date and time that's convenient for you. Now I'm going to pause for a moment here, take a quick sip of water, 
you know, I'm not on uh, film right now, so you can't see me do it, but just imagine that I'm taking a sip of water because my throat's really dry today. <clears throat> oh, boy, that helped. Okay, voice is a little stronger now. I uh, got the, the dryness out of my throat. So let's get started with today's show. Here is a question that came out of Long Beach, a situation, and um, this is kind of an interesting one, but I'm sure this has happened many times before. There is a trust. The owner of the trust or the trustor in that trust left a home to the uh, successor trustee to inherit, but while the original owner, the trustor, was alive, the trustee had to sell that home to take care of the trustor and then bought a cheaper home to avoid foreclosure of the original home. And so the question is, when the trustor dies, did the trustee now not get anything because the original property being left to the trustee is now a different property? It's an excellent question. And the answer to the question is a very definite yes, no, or maybe. Let me explain what I mean by that. The answer would be yes if the trustor in the trust said, I leave my residence to Johnny, my successor trustee, who's also my son. Because then it's identified by what type of property it is. And at any given time, most people only have one residence. If he said, I leave my house at 123 Main Street, uh, Costa Mesa, California, to my son Johnny, and that property no longer exists because now it's a different property, the answer's probably no. But it could be more fuzzy than that. There may be other language in the trust that suggests that what the person was trying to do was leave any residence they had and they really didn't anticipate their residence they'd been in a long time being sold for some reason. So there could be other evidence outside of the trust indicating that intention. So the answer to the question is yes, no, or maybe, depending on the very specific circumstances of the trust, what it said, and maybe there's some other evidence showing what the person's real intentions were. Now here, here's someone out of L.A. said, I was a joint tenant on property with the right of survivorship, and I was not related to the other joint tenant. Now let's pause right there. Probably we're talking about someone who was in a relationship with the other person, uh, either a uh, uh, probably an informal partnership of some kind. You know, they were a cohabitating couple. And they bought a property together, and they decided to take it as joint tenants with right of survivorship. So one of them dies. The other one now owns the whole property. In this situation, the deceased joint tenant's family wants to sue for the property and wants the property back. It was known that the deceased tenant did not want her family to acquire the property, and now the grandson once the property, there was no will or trust. Well, 
The answer to this again is a yes, no, or maybe. The most likely thing is they can't get the property back because it was owned as joint tenants with right of survivorship. However, if they could maybe demonstrate that the person who died was wrongfully or fraudulently induced to add the surviving joint tenant to the title and there was no consideration, meaning no money changed hands or property or anything of value, there could be an argument that the joint tenancy should be invalidated because of that and they might be able to get the property back. But as a general rule, a joint tenancy means that whoever the survivor is now owns the property and that's the end of the story right there. Now, we only have a short time before the first break of the show today, so I'm going to cover this one last one um, before we go to the break. Here the person said they created a joint revocable living trust for uh, himself and his wife. One of the properties they own, real estate they own, is in the wife's name only on the deed. And he's worried if if we transfer that property in the wife's name into our joint trust, will that cause a 50% property tax reassessment? The answer to that question is no. No, because it's a transfer into a trust for the benefit of the transfer or that's the wife. That right there is excluded from reassessment. But even if it was transferred so that now the husband and wife owned it together as community property, that's also excluded from reassessment because that's a transfer between spouses, which is also excluded under the property tax law. So we're coming up on the first break now. I want to let you know you can call me if you'd like at 800-516-1220 if you have a question you'd like to ask. Or you could email me at radio at lawbob.com. If you have any questions or comments today, please consider emailing me just to let me know that you're listening to the show. I'd like to know that people are listening. So I'll be coming back after the break. Until then, this is Attorney Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you then. Now back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue on today now with um, some more questions and comments from around the state of California uh, that are uh, typically issues that people are facing that often are very common issues that people face um, in the area of estate planning. If you'd like to give me a call, it's 800-516-1220. be happy to talk with you on the air to answer your question on the air. And uh, you can always also... Email me at radio at lawbob, L-E-W-B-O-B dot com. In fact, if you could take a moment and just send me a quick email to let me know that you're listening, I, I'd like to know. Maybe give me a little feedback on the show, whether you like it, what you like, what you don't like. That'll help me make a better show for everyone in the future. And it'll also let me know if people are listening to me because it's always nice to know that you're saying things that people are listening to, whether they agree with you or not. Now, here's a, another one out of Los Angeles, um, and the person is, this is real time, the person's doing a quit-claim deed of a property to his brother. Uh, the deed's already been signed here in 2018, but it's not going to be recorded until 2019, and the person wants to know, 
what year will I have to do the gift tax return for the gift that I'm making to my brother? Would it be 2014 when I sign the deed or 2019 when I record the deed? Well, you actually need a little more information to answer this question. Technically speaking, when you sign a deed and deliver the deed to the person intended to receive the property, in the state of California, that is a completed gift or a completed transfer. So if he signed the deed in the presence of his brother and handed it to his brother saying, here, I'm giving you the property, Joe, well, then he made the gift in 2018 even if the deed is recorded in 2019 or even if it's recorded in 2025, the gift was made when delivery of the deed was made. But if he made this quitclaim deed to his brother and told his brother, I've done this, I'll record it in 2019 to transfer the property to you then, well, then the gift is made in 2019 because the deed wasn't delivered to the brother. Instead, recording then becomes the formal transfer of the ownership because that gives notice to the world. So California is what's called a delivery state rather than a recording state, meaning when you deliver a legal document involving an interest in real estate, uh, in this case, a transfer of the property, that's when the transfer takes place. And that's actually what you report when you file paperwork, like a change of ownership report, typically the the date that you delivered the transfer, delivered the deed or document to the person is what you put in as the date of transfer. When I do living trust planning and people are transferring their real estate into their trust, because they're signing it in front of me and I'm notarizing it, they're also receiving the transfers into their trust as trustees of the trust at the same time. So uh, they're doing the transfer and receipt really as part of the same transaction. And once I apply my notary seal and sign off, that's now a completed transfer because they took delivery of the deed from themselves to themselves pretty much at the same time. Getting it recorded just lets the rest of the world know that the property was already put into a trust, for example. Now, here's uh, one out of, another one out of Southern California. M- trying to sell my father's business or settle my father's business. The other party is asking proof that I'm the successor of my father's trust other than a copy of the trust itself that says I'm the trustee or successor trustee. What other proof can I show? Well, <laughs> I hate to say it, but... Having a copy of the trust that names you is the absolute best proof that you're the successor trustee. There's really no other proof to show other than here's the trust. My dad died or he's incapacitated. Here's the proof of that. It says I'm the successor. Here's my ID. Um, Everybody will accept that. So if, if you got someone saying I want other proof, I don't know what other proof there could be to provide other than a copy of or even looking at the original trust document and letting that other person make a copy of it for themselves. So kind of a nonsensical thing, and, and that's, what, um, that, that's what's kind of weird here. 
Now, here's kind of a tricky one out of Redondo Beach. Okay, Dad and I each own 50% of the house we live in that was quit-claimed to us. Uh, Dad just passed away. Will his 50% share go to me? Now, there's a hard copy, a notarized title company signed hard copy, stating that his spouse, my mom, released, remitted, and forever quit claim to my dad as his sole and separate property, this property. So that means dad's 50% was given by mom to dad as his sole and separate property. And she forever quit claimed any interest to him. Uh, several other properties in dad's trust go to mom. Um, now with the quit claim, will dad share pass to me and not the other spouse? I'm assuming the other spouse now is a stepmother. Um, it's an interesting question. I think the answer is probably that it would go to whoever the intestate heir of the father is. If the father remarried, then his half would be divided between his new spouse and his son. Presumably it's just the son, and it would be a 50-50 split right there. But it's hard to tell from the question what all the details are, but in general, it's probably not going to automatically go to the son without more information. Um, It could end up with the son if, in fact, his dad was no longer married at the time, and is now is now the uh, the son is now the intestate heir of the father, so it's kind of a confused situation. But again, um, I'd say probably generally it's not going to go to the son. Now here's someone here's a good child right here. I recently came into some big money. I'd like to buy mom a house, but I'd rather not have to pay the gift tax. Is it legal to buy the house? Keep it in my name so it's still legally my property and allow mom to live there, or is this considered tax evasion? Well, it's absolutely not tax evasion. You're a wonderful child. You're going to buy a house that you own and let your mom live in it. You can absolutely do that. There's no gift involved. There's no tax evasion. It's your money, your property. Mom lives there. There's no law that says you have to charge mom rent at all. So that's a good child taking care of mom. Like to see those now and then. We're coming up on the mid show break uh, very shortly here. Um, I am taking calls today, 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com. I'm hoping to hear from some of you today. I uh, get your impressions of the show and how it's helping you or not helping you so I can make it better in the future. Till after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. We're in the third segment of the show today, and as I indicated before, if you'd like to call in with any questions, it's 800-516-1220. Love to hear from somebody today, uh, even if you want to call and talk about your plans for the holidays. That would be fine with me, too. 
Um, I don't have a lot of big plans. Uh, spend some time with the family. Spend some time uh, looking at the tree and the decorations in the house. And um, maybe the family will go down to Gilroy Gardens. Um, by the way, I'm not getting paid to say that. We like going down there and having the holiday meal and looking at all the decorations. Always kind of neat down there, the way they decorate the whole park down there. Uh, if you've never been there at the holidays, I recommend it. Uh, very, very pretty. And they actually have a pretty good meal there if you want to have, like, their holiday dinner. It's buffet style, which is my favorite because you can go back and get more of what you'd like as much as you want. Uh, don't overeat when I do that, but still there are certain things I prefer over other things. So I like going to the buffet there at Gilroy Gardens. Now here's a, a question. Let's see here. Oh gosh, this is a real mess. This comes out of the East Bay here in the San Francisco Bay Area. <clears throat> Someone's trying to sell a property, but when the title company pulled the title, they found out that mom had taken the house out of her trust and so we can't sell because the deed doesn't follow the trust anymore. But there's more. My uncle is on the title, too, and he's deceased. Can this be corrected? If so, how? Well, you've got two big issues here. The first one is if mom's share is out of her trust, then to get it back into her trust, you're probably talking about doing um, what's called a Hegstat petition or a petition under probate code section 850. Now, uh, this is in Alameda County. It's probably not a county you're going to have a very good chance of doing that. Something like this, if you're in Alameda County, you need to do this. Try to figure out how to get someone's property back into their trust uh, after they took it out and then died. Um, I handle this for people. I can handle this outside of Alameda County if all of the heirs are in agreement. Um, I can actually handle that for them through the court in San Mateo County where they'll permit that to be done uh, even if someone died in Alameda County. We can handle something like that in San Mateo County and do it quickly and efficiently. Uh, but the other issue is that the uncle's on the title and he's dead. Well, the only way that can be corrected is to probate the uncle's interest in the property through the probate court in, in this case, Alameda County. There's no real way around that. Unless the uncle had a trust and had some evidence that he intended his interest in the property to be in his living trust, you're looking at a probate there. And then where that interest goes depends on who is, uh, who's related to the uncle. Does the uncle have children? Is the uncle married? Was he married? I mean, there's all kinds of considerations there. But this family's looking at a probate for some part of the property and maybe a Hegstat petition for the other part of the property. But in any event, nothing's going to happen to sell that property really, really quick. It's going to take some time to get that done because, again, um, I bring this, this comes back over and over. This is very, very poor planning all the way around. Poor planning by the mother who apparently took the property out of her trust. Poor planning by the uncle who apparently had no kind of plan to avoid the probate court. And now this family's looking at two court actions, at least two court actions, to get this property in a position where it can be sold to someone. And hopefully the family's not in a rush. They don't need the money right away. But if they do, 
they're in a very, very bad place, and it's going to take a long time to get it all sorted out. Here's someone asking, uh, says, my mother-in-law passed away two months ago. She left money to my children, and it's in a trust. My brother-in-law is the trustee and has not dispersed their inheritance. How long does that take? Well, first of all, I'll say two months is not very long from the time someone's died to actually start dispersing property. In fact, um, they, when someone dies with a trust and becomes irrevocable, there's a notice that's supposed to go out to everyone who is an heir of the person who died and who is a basically everyone who's a beneficiary of the trust is entitled to receive a copy of that notice. And also the children of the person, even if they're not beneficiaries, are entitled to to receive a copy of that notice. And that notice gives a 120-day period for people to complain about the trust. If they think the, the trust was obtained fraudulently or by undue influence or in some way the person was not competent when they signed it, they had severe dementia, Alzheimer's, they were heavily drugged up or something, or drunk at the time, all those kinds of things. You can attack a trust. So that means, as a general rule, you're not going to be considering making any distributions from a trust until at least that 108, or excuse me, 120-day period has gone by. So two months is only half that. I wouldn't have any expectation of getting any distribution before 120 days. Um, the trustee does not have an absolute time they have to distribute, but generally within a year is about normal. Uh, there's bills maybe to be paid. There's tax return. There's tax return that has to be filed, all kinds of things like that. So uh, there's delays involved in trust administration, but uh, in any event, don't expect it's going to happen right away. Now, I've just been informed that uh, I do have a caller um, Marco, who's my caller, please? Kevin from Oakland. So I have Kevin from Oakland on the line. Are you there, Kevin? Yes, I am. Hi, welcome to the show. How can I answer your questions? Okay, so I have a situation in which I I purchased a property and inherited a, um, a portion of a property before I was married, I'm trying to find out if I wanted to distribute the property between my wife and my children. How can I do that, and what's the best way to do that? Okay, so you already owned a property. Yeah. And you inherited a part of another property before the marriage. Before the marriage, yes. Okay. I think probably your best approach there, if you haven't already mixed this property into your marriage, would be to create a living trust that's just your trust that owns this previously owned property and this inherited property. And then in that trust, you can make provisions for how much and in what way the property is going to be distributed to your spouse and your children. Now, what you need to be aware of is that um, owning property acquired before a marriage, even by, by inheritance or purchase, once you're married, there can be issues that arise if you're using money from the marriage 
to take care of or somehow maintain the property that you brought into the marriage. Uh, this is a family law question I'm talking about here now, family law issue. It's possible to inadvertently give a spouse a community property interest in property that's your separate property, separate from the marriage, because if you use money from the marriage to make repairs, to pay property taxes, to pay insurance, things like that, in the absence of a written agreement that says otherwise between you and your spouse, then your spouse may be acquiring a community property interest in that property that you own. So you need to be aware of that. Um, But if you put the property into a trust where you just own it as the trustee of the trust, you decide who's going to take over should you become disabled or pass away, and then you can make provisions in there, um, right there, if you make provision for your wife from your separate property, then she'd probably have no basis for a complaint of any kind um, if you were to pass away first. Okay, that makes perfect. Did that answer sense. that for you, or do you want do you have a follow up question for that? I uh, know that's pretty much self explanatory. I think it's simple enough to understand that I can put it in the trust, and long as the proceeds are. The money that I have is not uh, being used to take care of these properties, uh, then I can distribute it uh, any way that I want to. Yeah, pretty much you can use money from the properties, like rent monies, to maintain the properties. Yes, uh, it's yes. If you take If you take money from the marriage and use it to maintain your properties, where it starts getting fuzzy. Right, right. Okay. And okay. you said a living trust would take care of that. That's correct. But a trust that's just your trust that owns that property. You may have okay. a completely different trust that owns property with your spouse. Um, okay. And that's not an unusual situation. But then you could even make provision to care for your spouse in your trust to have the property there to care for your spouse for her lifetime and then passed on to your kids. That's another alternative. So, uh, oh, okay. Kevin, great talking with you. We're coming up on a hard break here in, in about 45 seconds. But if you have anything else you'd like to ask me, uh, feel free to stay on the line. You can, you can tell Marco you'd like to stay on the line. But um, to let everyone else know out there, uh, you can call 800-516-1220 or email me at radio at lawbob.com. We'll be coming back after the break for the final segment of the show. So until then, uh, we'll pick up after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back for the final segment of the show. I want to thank Kevin, Kevin, uh, who called in uh, before the break, had an excellent question. Uh, It's a situation that actually comes up fairly frequently. A lot of people own property before they get married. A lot of people acquire 
property after marriage, typically through inheritance. And um, it's very possible here in California to accidentally, just through the way you handle your property, end up having it mixed up in the marriage and then conceivably some a good part of it or up to half of it going out in the event of a dissolution of the marriage. So it's a situation that does come up in my practice fairly frequently. A lot of people actually own property separate from the marriage or they receive an inheritance and they want to make sure that that is taken care of. Something that I do actually in the plans that I prepare for those families that want to have it, I actually put into the trusts that if uh, if an heir, a beneficiary, child or something actually receives property in trust after the parents have passed away, that that child has to enter into a marital property agreement with a current spouse or a future spouse, a fiancé, if you will, in order to receive distributions from their trust set up for them. The purpose of that is... Uh, to make sure that that incoming spouse or the existing spouse uh, has given up any claims of any kind to the inheritance that was received. And that includes uh, if the child decides to bring money into the marriage to help out the marriage because they're helping themselves out, and it's also helping out the marriage as a result, to make sure that the other spouse, the um, the the non-relative spouse, the son or daughter-in-law, for example, that they can't follow that back into the child's trust and claim that that should be part of the marriage when the divorce comes later on. So that's an important issue. It's just one of many issues that can come up in the planning process that are often missed by um, those who who just do wills and trusts but aren't really estate planning attorneys and it's never addressed at any time by your do-it-yourself options like the online websites where you can do planning or the books you can pick up at the bookstore or order from online. Um, and it's actually a fairly common situation where one or both spouses actually have separate property that's separate from their marriage. So here, um, we're up in the Sacramento area now, and... Uh, Grandpa's purchasing a home, and then he's going to sell it to me and my husband. Do we need a grant deed? So they said, we'll be paying him back monthly over the course of 30 years at 3.5% interest. I think that's probably a reasonable interest rate for a 30-year loan. They they want to double-check, make sure that that's within the current guidelines, because if it's too low, then the difference would be considered a gift by the grandparent to um, to the the uh, grandchild and the grandchild spouse. So the question is, does Grandpa sign a grant deed transferring the property to us and a deed of trust securing the private mortgage, or do we just need a deed of trust? First thing I'd say is do this through a title company. Open an escrow so Grandpa can sign a grant deed so that you can sign a promissory note which is the piece that's missing here, promissory note for 30 years at 3.5% interest. Determine whether it's interest only or it's amortized, meaning you're paying back some principal, some interest at the same time. And then uh, also a deed of trust is signed by the borrower to encumber the property that Grandpa purchased 
to secure him in case they don't pay Grandpa back. This should be done through a title company, in my opinion, because you also want to get title insurance because you can't just automatically take over the title insurance that Grandpa got when he's buying the home. Um, you're a new owner. Now, you can probably go back to the title company that's handling the purchase and get an extension of that title insurance to you at a very modest price because there's been no change of title in between buying it and then selling it over to um, a relative. I will tell you that Grandpa's buying the property. That will trigger a reassessment of the property taxes. You as a grandchild buying it, it would also trigger reassessment, but it's not really that important because you're doing it pretty much very close in time and it wouldn't be any change uh, of any kind, really. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. I hope you've learned some things. I hope you've, uh, you've heard some things that will help you out, that maybe will help out others who are going through similar situations to the ones that I related here today. Um, please consider emailing me at radio at lawbob.com. If you have any questions you'd like me to address on the show, that's a great place to do it. Uh, you can also request a copy of my California Consumer Guide to Wills, Living Trust, and Estate Planning. I'd be happy to email that to you. And just one more quick reminder, I do have my Living Trust Seminar and my Retirement Plan Trust Seminar Tomorrow morning in my office here in San Jose, December 15th, Saturday morning, starting at 9 o'clock. Go to Eventbrite and search for those or go to my website at lawbob.com where you can find the registration link there. Pick the date and it'll take you through so you can register for the seminars. I hope you've enjoyed the show today. And until next Friday, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.